0: Hello everyone, this is Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda, A Journey to South, and I'm with my co-host, John Freeman, with another episode of Relationship Secrets. Um, John, we're going to talk about something very juicy today. (laughs) We're talking about um, you are an animal, and we're going to discuss about different elements of it. How are you, John?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Matilda. You?
0: Very good. And how's the weather in the UK? It's
1: nice here today. Yeah, we've we're going to have a couple of weeks of of a nice September before uh, the, the fall really sets in. Yeah.
0: Very nice. So let's go to our topic. It's a very big topic, and i um, I mean, when we were discussing, it's going to be a lot of things to cover it so let's maybe explain the audience what it is to be an animal what it is to be a human and then we go uh, maybe we can talk about different elements of it and how relationship builds around our animalistics uh attributes
1: <laughs> absolutely so the the reason that i think this is this Topic is important is that so much of what we think about uh, relationships and what who we are and what we should be it comes from our mindsets and our culture. <clears throat> and you know we've covered lots of different ways that our mindsets get into this picture, but we haven't talked about what's sitting underneath that very much in terms of what it means to be a human animal. So much of who we are, so much of what we do is driven by, uh, aspects of our being that have evolved Mm -hmm. and which you would find, uh, some form of those aspects represented in just about any animal, any mammal you looked at particularly. Um, because we actually don't differ very much from the, the animal kingdom, and you you can look at the animals in general, and you can see that there are some uh, some animals that pair bond, and there are some animals that have uh, very kind of open uh, certainly in, in you know among the apes that have a very open set of uh, relationships which might be based on the woman. Mates, the uh, female mates with the alpha male, and uh, the, the males fight it out for who's going to be dominant. And uh, of course, there's lots of species where the the male provides some sperm and then is not seen for another year. I mean, bears, for instance, do that. It's entirely um,
0: they do well? one to... year.
1: Well, that the many species of bears. The female, when she is uh, ready to mate, when when she's at that point in her cycle and her pheromones are being carried out on the wind, she will meet a male bear, and they will mate, and she will be fertilised, and that male will then disappear off into the wind wilderness, and and she will bring up the cubs when yeah. when when they arrive. So Very the male
0: for him. <laughs> really, he should have done some things for her no? I
1: well that, you know, that's, or something that that's that that's the human perspective and it's a it's an interesting one i mean of of course in a lot of uh, a lot of animals i mean most of the bird species uh that thing of the, both the male and the female will be responsible for bringing food to the chicks. And in many bird species, the male would also take turns in sitting on the eggs for hours at a time until they, I hatch. Like that. so, <laughs> so, you know, there's, there, there's all these different ways and all of them are kind of present in the animal kingdom. And because we share elements of our genetics with, all of that kind of evolutionary history. I mean, it all sits in our bodies in some respect. It's quite useful to start to look at, well, what is particular about humans and what bits of our uh, genetic program, if you like, are really driving how, uh, how humans are and how humans have come to be. So the first thing to get in touch with is that the human animal has the longest period of child rearing of any. And so that, and you can add to that the the fact, I mean, this starts with the fact that humans are born with these huge heads with huge brains. And so in order to get this kind of advanced creature out through the birth canal, we have to be born in a state of extreme immaturity. I mean, kittens might be born blind, but within four days they can see and they're up and they're running around. And there's lots of animals, particularly which live live um, in environments where there are predators. You know, if, you, if, if a baby giraffe, you know, drops the two meters from its mother to the ground, within hours it's up and it's learned to get from the point where it's just staggering and finding out where it's, where its feet are, uh, to being able to, to run with the herd, you know, it's able to survive. Humans are not like that.
0: Turtles are like that too. Like they just, boom, they go to the sea. They go
1: to the ocean. Yes, exactly. They, they do. So, you know, the requirement to bring up a human to, uh, successful adulthood and remember that the the point of evolution or what evolution is driven by is can you produce viable offspring who will get to the stage where they are mature and capable of producing the next yeah. generation that's the only thing that keeps the species alive so the requirement for humans uh and uh you know we have this in in common with uh some other animals but we're an extreme version uh is that we have to be able to really nurture our infants for a long time and that takes typically more than one person i mean okay modern society is <laughs> like a village did you say yeah yeah well, i mean there there it is it. a saying it yeah There is a saying, it takes a village to raise a child, and and there's a strong truth in that. So there's two things that then come from that. One is our expectation that the biological parent of the child is the one who is invested in its survival. So we think and we tend to assume that because, uh, you know, I as a man, if I have a, a child, then there is an evolutionary pressure for me to make sure that it's my child who survives. And for that reason, I need to bond with the female and make that happen. But that's only half the truth because most uh, most of our ape cousins mm-hmm. and human beings alike we don't just live in pairs and we are in different ways we tend to be um, dependent on wider family or on something which is more like uh, a whole tribe or you know back to the village it takes a village to Raise a child, so we have this sense of there's a mutual need and a mutual benefit in that I not only take care of my children, I also take care care of my brother's children or my cousin's children or even my neighbor's children, even if he's not related so Is it
0: because we feel like it would be safer for our child to live in a society that i mean it's for selfish reasons, not necessary for humanitarian reason that you feel like, Oh, um, I want to take care of, for example, the neighbor child as well in a way, because my child is interacting with that child. So um, it will be beneficial for my child.
1: Yes. So there is a benefit in, in an evolutionary benefit in, in cooperation. Yeah. And, you know, there's some quite, complex mathematics that people do about degrees of collaboration and how much that might contribute to the survival of, of offspring or, you know, to the level of benefit for my genes as opposed to my neighbour's genes. But basically, we as humans, we're used to the notion that we will take care of other people's children and that we cooperate and that we, we collaborate in societies. In all sorts of different forms, and if you were an anthropologist, you could go and look at tribes which do that in all sorts of interesting ways. For instance, where if, if a man's brother dies, he then becomes automatically respons- responsible in that tribal system for taking care of his brother's wife and his wife's children. And that's kind of built into their social structure. And you will see kind of different echoes of that in perhaps the way that uh, we operate in, in our societies. You know, not all human beings are um, the same, even in the modern world, because we, you know, we have different religious traditions. And there are places where you would find um, polygamy or polyandry and, you, you know, you, you, all, all these forms show up. The thing is, it's about recognising that who you are as an individual is not some simple kind of driven by a very clear programme of this is how you will be as a a relationship-forming animal.
0: So are you saying because because we have choices, that's why it becomes complicated. The animals, for example, you were saying the male bird, Um, I guess they don't have a choice, that's automatically how they behave or um, the male bear doesn't, (laughs) doesn't, doesn't do much. And that's his, I mean, doesn't even have a choice to choose. That's how he acts. But humans are complicated because we have choices and we can choose different paths all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, there's grades of, of this, even even birds. There are some birds which, when they mate, they mate and bond for life. And there are some birds they will mate for a season, and then next season mm-hmm. they will have another mate. mate. So, so what are you know,
0: humans? Do you know what are the nature of humans?
1: So the nature of humans is, as you just said, complicated because f- there's a very strong... Uh, biological drive in the in the female that is kind of akin to the reason that our ape cousins would be uh tending to be fertilized by the alpha male because you're looking for who is the strongest who is but but in, in our societies, we've actually adapted to that. It's not just who is the physically strongest. I mean, that still counts for a lot of people, but it's also who is who has the resources. So who is the financially strongest? Who is going to provide a home for my children? And who can I be sure will um, give them the maximum uh, chance of uh, succeeding in their future life? So however much you might think you know i'm kind of i'm choosing who i'm going to fall in love with actually there is a program underneath that which uh you could be com- almost certainly would be completely unconscious of but which nevertheless drives how you assess
0: yeah i like successful men which is attractive I mean... in a man I don't like homeless people. I mean, I've never been attracted to a homeless guy. So I'm assuming, you know, there's a, there's a, there's something underneath of my, (laughs) what I like and what I don't like, which you are saying is the programming. And I think, yeah, I mean, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't any woman try to be with the most, you know, obviously you look at the kindness and if they're kind and they're good human beings, but under, above that, after that, sorry, after that, you know, why not with a man that it's resourceful? Otherwise?
1: So, absolutely. So, just recognising that for different individuals, for different women, how much priority they give, say, to uh, this man is kind over this man is well-resourced, that will be an individual variation. It will be an individual choice, and uh, that may be reflective of, you know, what was uh, what was your experience with your father or her experience with her father, or it might be uh, representative of other things which are a kind of more deep in her nature. How important is it to her that the man is kind? what about men what is the
0: intent what is the programming for men
1: right so well let me just finish the strand with women for a minute because i i want to add in the notion that um that women are looking for a provider it also drives the fact that women are not as monogamous as as humans like to think they are
0: really because (laughs) Really, I like really. that. And there, there
1: is, you know, there's lots of scientific evidence for yes. for this, and and you know, you could get into the detail of what that looks like, but certainly there are strong reasons to believe that one of the reasons that women are just as likely to um, to have multiple partners or to have partners outside the marriage or to you know what whatever label you want to put on that i'm not totally monogamous the women are just as likely as men because evolution from an evolutionary point of view yeah. the drive to take care of children is also supported when there is an underlying expectation that men who are not my primary partner will also have a stake in taking care of me and my children. Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, there's this image that's out there in society about who, you know, who, who is unfaithful. And I'm going to come to your question about men from this, <clears throat> because the image is, oh, well, kind of, men are, men are like like the bears, you know, they will just, they're, they're just going around and they're looking to fertilize any woman who's available. Now,
0: well, and then they go. <laughs> and,
1: and then they go and of course you know you will see cultures you know cultures that are more like that, that 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 you would find you would find in in some parts of west indian cultures in certainly in my country uh men who would refer to the to the women they've been with as my my baby daddy not sorry my, my, i'm i'm her baby daddy okay so she is her purpose is to be mother for his children and she he does not expect it's not part of his makeup that he thinks he's going to be involved in bringing up those children he just believes for himself that the the more children to whom he can be a baby daddy the better he's doing and so you know he better be financially
0: be, supporting her but he's not As a baby.
1: Well, you know, that, that's what you and I would think. You, you and I would think that, yes, he should.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But actually, because uh, and, and certainly in this uh, thing, culture can change really fast. So in a culture like uh, like the one I live in, in in the UK, where there is financial support for single parents and their children, the The same degree of need for the man to make sure that his child is going to survive is not present he oh. can He can walk off knowing that society will take care of his children. So from an evolutionary point of view, you know let's step aside from whatever moral point of view you or or, or our listeners or I might have about what he should do from a moral point of view. From an evolutionary point of view, he is fulfilling his function. If he allows society to take care of providing for his children, he's done his job as a biological male.
0: I mean, what kind of a job is this? Like, you just go, like, boom, boom, thank you very much, and then you're happy. I mean, what kind of a, you need to have some uh, responsibilities, no? I mean...
1: That's well, fair. that's
0: <laughs> fair. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I, I'm, I, from the point of view, what do I think a good society looks like? I might have the same um, points of view and, and prejudices about this that, that you're expressing. But the reason for bringing this up is to get that underneath. Yeah. The programs that you are driven by and that I I am driven by are not the same as what we think or what we, as, we take on as our moral perspective. And so from an evolutionary point of view, he is doing his job as a male because he is maximizing the number of offspring that he will put into the next generation. Yeah. So he's doing a good job from an evolutionary point of view. He will have more children than I do. Do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you then look at how that affects sexual behaviour, although there's these underlying drives which are present in us and which mean that it there are certain parts of both women and men which are kind of driven to have sex with more than one person. That drive may be present from an evolutionary point of view, but a lot of our society actually is quite separate from the evolutionary point of view because we have the drives within us, but we're expressing them in a context where having sex doesn't mean you're going to have children because we have contraception and because we have in some places you know we have we have the choice for uh, abortion or for the morning-after pill or whatever you know we we have social control of our fertility but nevertheless we run our society to some degree even for couples who have chosen that they're never gonna have children that they have an expectation or a program running about monogamy and that runs in conflict to what the biological program might be saying because the biological program is not completely focused on monogamy
0: so i'm sorry but what happens when for the for example that bear cannot have baby anymore like she's old she cannot she's past the age of bearing babies or what happens to women that they are older than the age of having a child. So what happens to them? They still have sexual desires from evolutionary point of view, then there's no point of it. That desire is to go away.
1: All the evidences that I can see is that animals the desire is totally related to their biological uh, ability to have children, to have offspring. So the bear, the female bear that can no longer uh, bear children, um, <laughs> dies. They they, 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 have no. They, they have. There's no real impulse for them. I mean. It, <laughs> Well, you can you can look at it both both ways round. I mean, typically, the reason they can no longer bear children, bear offspring, is because they're no longer fit enough to do so, and therefore they are they are about to come to the end of their lifespan anyway. So the two things, you know, you, you can't really take those apart if you're talking about a or to a, a a lot of other creatures.
0: But like women, I mean, I don't know exactly what ages they are, but they're young. They're, I mean. They're in their mid-age, mid, you know, their mid-life. So what happens to women, I mean, that's not fair. Men can do that when they're dying, when they're very old. But women have a certain, you know, age. So.
1: Okay, so let's talk about this just about humans, because animals, animals are different. I mean, the menopause is, um, you know, you've got to remember that until, um, until relatively recently, the majority of human beings did not live to be 70, 80 years old. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the way that we behave is driven by expectation, I mean you can look at one of the one of the things that this makes a big difference to is that if you have a mar- marriage ceremony in the 1700s, where the man and the woman stand in front of a priest and they say "Till death us do part," in many cases that meant okay, we're kind of we're committed for the next ten years
0: <laughs> because
1: the odds were that one or other of them might not survive longer than that and so i mean you know you if you um if your listeners are ever watching jane austen films or or whatever they will see that reflected in in the way that society works and in the fact that um a woman may remarry because the the man has died or the man may remarry and take on stepchildren and that 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 was in in a way as normal as it is today, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So now men may take on stepchildren because they've chosen to change partner. In the seventeen hundreds, it was much more driven by okay, you know. um,
0: She didn't survive, or he didn't survive.
1: Yes, you've got what. yeah, so I, I won't say where I won't go where I was about yeah. to go there. Um, it, it's it's not enough, It's not relevant enough. But the, the
0: um... but it's fascinating because so... I never thought about it. I never. I mean, when you gave me the bear example, and I was like, you know, it's interesting that the woman bear, female bear, dies relatively after when she cannot have any more children but women right now in our society that's not the case it's in there i think i mean i haven't done my research properly i guess but um in mid 50s maybe or early 50s something like that or maybe late 50s. yeah i don't know
1: well and i, 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 I can be all of look- all of those because women you know, women uh, w- women vary a lot in in when they uh, go into menopause so, yeah, humans humans are different. I mean, obviously, you know, you can find if you if you went back to, to the kinds of humans who are living in tribes, yes, you do get old women, you do get women who who are past the menopause. But the thing is, in if you have a society, uh, and this is true of some of the, some of our ape cousins, if you have a society which is invested in collaboration then it's not only can you uh, birth children it's also can you be of value in nurturing the children so you, do you raise a, a, a dynasty if you like so you get the older animals in in social animals having being able to have children is not the only Only. determinant of your you of your biological usefulness or your contribution to the survival of the species so in humans you know we value our grandparents for all sorts of good reasons for whether it's their 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 wisdom and and their their love or or their ability to babysit all all of these things are in uh, are, are kind of important and they're part of the mix so there's no you know again there's no just kind of cut and dried rules about this. this is how we how we think and behave but also how we are driven by our underlying programs for what is known to support the survival of our offspring and well technically it would be the survival of our genes
0: it's interesting you know like when you're looking at animals like animals in the jungle you feel like their life is so much simple because there's no rules and regulation the system underneath system does everything Whereas you come to look at humans, there is different layers of rules and regulations above the the system that you're talking about, uh, this biological system that you're talking about. And I think the complexity comes from there because we bring religion. Religion says exactly, actually the opposite of what our biological needs are telling us. And it gets more complex why your culture comes what your parents are saying what uh, magazines are saying what media is sharing with you movies are telling you so it becomes like jumbo mumbo and you're like, you don't even know what's going on there it's really difficult
1: it, it is so the you know the, the the thing as kind of with so much of what I say is all of those influences are are out there. And within that, you have a choice of who you wish to be. And the point of bringing up, in a way, the evolutionary underpinnings of this is to know that from a biological point of view, all of those choices are available too. And there is nothing that says biologically you must be monogamous that is like what you've just said that is a cultural or a religious or whatever imposition on top of who each of us is as a free human being
0: yeah. well that's uh, interesting so you believe um so it's, you believe that it's very common and it's very normal to have infidelities in relationships? Yes. Okay. And,
1: uh... and you've only got to, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, I don't want people to kind of listen to me and take on my beliefs. I just, I just say, okay, you know, look at what's around you. Look at what actually happens. Look at what people do as distinct from what people say they will do or think they should do because
0: that's very true. It,
1: it, this is this is kind of you know, you, you can you can see it or make your own mind up based on the evidence that you see, see just as easily as I can.
0: Because in my belief, uh, was like okay, women are more monogamous than men, that's how I was thinking. I don't know, do you do you think that's true? from a biological point of view, also, what's happening in society?
1: I do think that's... I I think the levels of investment are different between females and males because... um, Some of the influences that we've talked about, like... um, sort of being resourced and being and having the kind of uh, prestige that can increase or it more typically increases with, with males than it does with females. You know, this is part of the patriarchal system. I'm not saying it has to be this way. I'm just saying that it it is, it's the way it is. And it's the way it's been, you know, and, and until now. So that, it's more common for a woman to marry an older man than it is for a young man to marry an older woman. That's not a should. That's just kind of, you know, that is that is to some degree what happens because those older men actually, in some cases, they, they have the power, they have the ability to... Um, to create that situation, and so that's created a um, a trend in the way that in our societies women think about who they are and their expectations of what is possible for them that is it's driven by so much of a, a kind of a culture of youth that I am only useful for as long as I am sexually attractive. Uh, It drives a lot of very um, kind of misunderstood programmes about uh, women's beliefs about their own body, about their own sexuality, about their own ability to be attractive when they're older. That is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy prophecy because it's not that women can't be as attractive when they're older it's that they don't think they're going to be and therefore they give up on themselves and they don't do what would otherwise be kind of part of how do you maintain yourself in your fitness and your health and your attractiveness and you know your presentation into the world so it does it does get difficult that the mindset that is present for women means that there is more of a sense of risk that i will be left on my own it may not be true but it's what people think yeah. and then you can add that add to that that you know women who have children have to be invested in the continuity of that relationship and so any other relationship with even that with a man becomes kind of um it has to serve that primary relationship of i've got to bring up my children Actually, so all of those you know, things go into the mix
0: you know what John, what you're saying is really true now i'm thinking about it i don't have a child but the reason that I'm thinking to have a child is okay what will happen to me when I'm older you don't know if the husband will be there or not you don't know maybe the husband will go you can't control that but if you if I have a child that child will be with me or will take care of me when I'm older so it's kind of because it's this phobia of actually phobia of oh you're going to get older and you're not going to be as attractive as you are now because of your age, because, oh, you cannot bring any children. So for men, you might not be that um, attractive. But I men don't think that way, actually. It's very interesting. They don't think that way.
1: Well, it uh, and it is different. And of course, you know, there is a biological Program even underneath the uh, the way that you think. In my old age, I need children to take care of me because <laughs> yeah. for for you know th- that is why people in agricultural uh, societies mm. have yeah. lots of children because they know that not all of them will survive to be adults, and because when both both for men or women when you get to be too old to go out and work in the fields, you rely on the fact that your children are going to, they're going to do that. So you're weaving in this sense of um, the outside reality and the influences of the outside reality and the influences that has on your own personal program. I mean of course there's no guarantee, I have to I have to warn you, there's no guarantee that if you have children that they will take care of you in your old age.
0: Yeah, they're like, go to the nursing home, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, oh my mom, like I had children for these days. I changed your pampers for these days.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so. that's that's the way it goes but these these things you know i mean I, it's really great that you voiced that uh, awareness because often that's running quite in the background to, to to somebody's thinking and it might be influencing the choice they make without them really being aware of that influence being there and i, I so what i'm kind of interested in and out of the conversations that we have is that anybody increases the awareness from which they make their choice that's really all it is it's still then your choice do what you want
0: do you think so okay we have this biological programming what about the hormones like do you think hormones affect us in a way because you know we as a woman i mean i don't know about men I cannot i don't understand then, but as a woman, I mean I go up and down sometimes during the day, obviously in the month during the month, so do you think these hormones make me choose differently because because of that
1: I think there are days uh, and again, you know, depending on each individual will have different balances of hormones, but yes there will be reasons why on one day or a, a few days, you might make different choices than you would at different other times of the month. And there might be ways in which the cycles that are taking place in uh, anybody's hormonal balance actually have an influence on how do they show up in in the world on that day and how what what is driving um the reason that you know let's let's say you you imagine the situation where uh you or a woman has gone to a party and maybe you know just got uh, a little assistance from alcohol that according to the state of her hormones might influence just how strongly does she choose to flirt with this man or not so you know so our our hormones are there because they 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 drive they drive fertility they drive the satisfaction that we get not only from sex but the satisfaction that comes from um the relationship with the with with children so the bonding with children you have you know have the influence of oxytocin as the the kind of the bonding hormone and that this is what kind of makes relationships feel good And I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I I wouldn't want to get into the kind of the details of of the several different hormones that are in play in any of us that are driving how that, uh, how that level of bonding or how our readiness for sex or whatever. It's because it's not the detail that's important. What's important is the recognition that these influences are there. And so to be able to tune into your body and notice what your body is actually feeling like. So to have an awareness of what's going on inside as distinct from what's going on in my brain.
0: You know, John, I'm just a little bit upset right now. I'm just a little bit upset from biologically a woman has a lot of responsibilities and it's a, has a difficult life, but men have a, like a very fun life. They just go on and they just want to spread their sperms. And as much as they can, as much fun they can. And women, they, have, they, they are stuck with that baby. And, you know, the responsibility of the mother that comes in and, you know, it's not fair. How I, is it I, possible? How can I, 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 get,
1: that I get that, but it, it's, it's not as simple as that for men because men actually they want they want to be bonded they want to be nurtured they want to have the relationship that they have with a a woman or with uh, with their children not all men but you know even when you looked at the bear and you thought well he's you know he's had his fun he's gone off for a year actually he's going to be on his own for a year and so even for a bear that's kind of the, the, there's a kind of toughness in that that he's got to survive as a lone individual. So for, it's it's this this biological program doesn't let men off the hook because
0: yeah, um, men have men that. have
1: needs too.
0: I'm very happy to hear that because i was like what is this i should go see the god i'm like what is this no not fair here, and i'm sure everything is balanced but i'm trying to find the balance but it's yeah. interesting uh i mean the parents should just hang out with that woman and maybe help her with food and stuff and you will have a happier life with her than going off and trying to smell something else
1: <laughs> well you know, it can it can seem like that, but from the bear's point of view, from the female's bear point of view, she would fi- she, she she would fight him off. She would she. It's not just he wanders off; he doesn't stick around because she she would smack him about a bit if he sticks around. She doesn't want him there.
0: She should be smart and saying, "Wait, go bring food. <laughs> Go do this. Go do this, Do this. Do my errands. Like you know, help."
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure I'm sure if we understood what what it is that makes for survival in bears, there would be a good evolutionary reason why why female bears do that. I don't know what it is. That's uh, that's getting beyond my level of expertise. But there will there would be one because they evolved. They evolved because the pressures made them that way. And the ones that behaved a certain way, succeeded and brought up more children than the ones who didn't.
0: It's, um, you know, one other talk, I mean, I don't know. I think we can, it will take us to uh, longer uh, our session, but maybe we can do it another, uh, another session about it. Like, how come, um, if you're telling me about this biological need and programming, how come there are women that they give up their children or, um, you know they abuse their their babies I mean th- you see it in news sometimes how is that possible I mean how, how is that possible then something in this programming has gone wrong this biological programming
1: yes well we are you know I, I, I I think the answer in a way is quite, quite short, which is that we are very complex creatures with very complex uh, brains, very complex biological drives, with all sorts of things that can go wrong in our internal programming that will drive people to do things that you and I would think are quite unspeakable and are, are in you know in, that we we have lots of laws to discourage people from from doing but yeah the the, the, the there are bugs in the program sometimes
0: <laughs> so and my last question is how is this possible like if it wouldn't be easier if um, whoever that created the rules and regulations for the society, they would look at the biological needs of men and women and what the program is and create these rules and re- regulations based on the needs. For example, religion is going exactly the opposite of it like why we even create religion when we know biologically our needs are very different. Then that's the reason why a lot of people will do things against um, you know what religion is saying and then we we'll put them in jail.
1: Yes. Okay, huge question. So the way we behave as individuals Is also something that we do in order to kind of successfully adapt to the conditions that we're living in. So there are times or stages in society where to have those rules actually benefits the majority because it creates a stability and it maybe prevents lots of warfare or it creates ways of us doing things together that are for the benefit of the whole and human beings actually they oscillate between the impulse to do things that are for the benefit of we and the impulse to do things that are for the actualization of i and that is a natural tension that is built into existence i mean it's not just true of of humans, it's built into the underlying pressures of evolution, where is the benefit from being a social animal as distinct from being a lone animal. And so human beings adapt to life conditions. And we, as humans, have been changing a lot over the last several hundred years, because we have possibilities now, which we would not have had two or three hundred years ago We have levels of prosperity which enable us to have choices, both individually and collectively, that we wouldn't have had in 1600, 1700, or whatever. And so we are naturally adaptive. And we will each have our blend of I and we choices in how we make our individual uh, decisions about how we're going to live our lives.
0: Interesting, you know, one point you said, and maybe we can have it another topic, another time, was you know, in history and how different times and there was different needs in the society, um, and if, for example, I, because I'm reading Josephine and I'm really fascinated by her, fascinated by her in late seven, in eight in eighteen hundreds, and. I'm just realizing judging Josephine and, you know, I read a lot of articles about Josephine and how they were judging her, but judging Josephine now with this view of society as a modern human being about a couple of hundred years ago about a woman that had different, different rights and different capabilities, it's wrong. So you have to judge the person in the history by the eyes of, or the opportunities of that uh, period, not your period.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's some, it's, it's, it's very unfair for us to do anything else. And actually it's, I think it's equally true in present time because we, we, we are just as inclined to make judgments of, about uh, other, other countries or other cultures.
0: Mm. No, very when,
1: ju- you know if if you were living there you might find it much more necessary to behave the way they do
0: so you know what after this after our conversation i'm gonna go check out this bear situation and i want to see like what happens to this male bear <laughs> then he goes <laughs> and he comes back for someone else So i want to see i hope that he has some difficulties too because you know that's not fair <laughs> But it was very interesting, John. I've learned a lot. And actually, I'm going to go and look at, look at societies from this biological need as well, because it's, as you said, this is a program underneath and not a lot of cultures or not a lot of laws and regulations are touching upon it. Um, so, yeah. If we, I mean, I would love to continue it more, but it's going to be longer for our session. But next week, we're going to come back with a different topic.
1: Yep. Yeah. So we'll thank you somewhere else much. interesting next week.
0: Thank you very much, Jan. And Pleasure. thank you listeners for tuning in. Till next time. Ciao.
1: Bye-bye.